Hi everyone, Sean Paul Ellis here from the Saturday Morning Cartoons podcast. Remember, that's morning with you. For the month of August, we've been getting into some 80s cartoons that are based on toy lines. Two weeks ago, we started with The Adventures of Teddy Ruxpin, and now we're concluding this month of August with Pound Puppies. So what's actually happening now within our pre-show? Well, we're going to give some shout-outs directly related to the giveaway that we have that's going on right now. A very quick correction before we begin this episode and what is actually going to be happening on our Pound Puppies episode. So for our shout-outs, I want to give a quick shout-out to Creed Stonegate on Twitter, at Creed Stonegate. He is actually contributing to our giveaway with some free stickers uh, that are going to be, uh, that are actually He-Man-related, Castle of Grayskull, Power Sword. I just got them in the mail the other day. They are absolutely incredible, and they are way bigger than I thought they were going to be, which is fantastic. You can check out Creed's stickers and all of his art that he has, infinitecoolness.com. Definitely go check it out. Also go check out Mick Yarber on Twitter at Yesterdayville. You can also check out some of his writings as well as anything that he posts there on retroramblings.com. You can also definitely check out his Etsy store, which is Retro Ramblings Store on Etsy. Mick is actually contributing some of these unbelievably cool minifigures uh, for, for He-Man, Masters of the Universe, that are of He-Man and Skeletor. They are just bonkers crazy and just wonderful. So couldn't be more happy with this. Speaking of extremely happy with things, because these people have just been all so cool about this, Brian Cave on Twitter, at old underscore school underscore evil. That's old school evil with underscores in between. He's putting in his book. Yes, his book that he has which is called Old School Evil, and it is all about the 80s as well as the villains from all of these different cartoons that we have talked about. And you can find all of this available from his book at oldschoolevil.com. And these are all going to be made available in our giveaway, which is ending on August 28th. So you can go anywhere in our social media accounts that we have, anywhere that's available there, Go on our link tree. It's the first top button. We've been posting this on all of our social media sites. Hope that you guys will enter. Hope that you guys are excited about this. We have more prizes that we're going to be announcing in the next week. Please go tell a friend. Tweet, message, follow us on all these things. Can't wait. Just so you guys know, if you write a review on iTunes for us, that counts as three submissions. Yes, that's more submissions for you guys. So thank you in advance. So the quick correction before we start this uh, episode, I say at some point that they don't make a particular stuffed animal for one of the members of the Pound Puppies called Cooler. Well, guess what? I'm absolutely wrong. They did make a stuffed animal for Cooler, but I have to be very honest with you, it does not look anything like the cartoon. In fact, if you're familiar with stuffed animals, it looks like an 80s toy called Wrinkles, which is sort of like a Sharpay stuffed animal that they would make. Plus, had a cassette player inside of Cooler's chest. So it's basically a Teddy Ruxpin dog. So I feel like this is kind of a half correction for everybody, but I just wanted to throw that out there that I was wrong partially. So what's happening today on our Pound Puppy episode? Well, we have two new and wonderful guests that are joining us for the show, Jackie and Denny. Jackie and I pant as well as bark a bunch on today's episode and Denny chats about his love of the writer's room for Pound Puppies. All of this and more on today's episode. So without further ado, on with the show.
Hello and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoons, the weekly podcast that revisits, reviews, and ridicules some of the world's weirdest animated series. Coming to you all the way from the Humane Rescue Alliance in D.C., where we help you adopt and train dogs, I'll be your host, Sean Paul Ellis, wearing a cone over top of her head and giving us the <laughs> saddest of puppy dog eyes. We have DC-based performer Jackie Poliche coming to the show for the first time. Welcome, Jackie. Thank you so much. Rescue me, please. <laughs> rescue me. Not the show Rescue Me, but actually legitimately rescue It's you. a plea for help. <laughs> Which is what so much of the show is going to be. <laughs> exactly. Wait, what is that? Wearing a very Cruella DeVille outfit and scowling at every single animal that is in this room. We have DC-based performer Denny Johnson coming to the show for the first time as well. Welcome, Denny. I'll get those dogs. <laughs> That's my best Katrina Stoneheart. Oh, God. TBD. <laughs> oh, I love it, though. I'm going to be honest with you. It's probably on par with a lot of the voiceover work that was done for the show so <laughs> which you. is not that bad so what i'm trying to say is that you're ready to go professional denny mm -hmm. thank I you i think we're in a good place thank you if you are not familiar with whatever we are talking about tonight and there's no reason for you to have any idea based off of what the actual toy line is and the characters and names that we have just dropped gang we are talking about pound puppies this evening we have had a couple requests for pound puppies uh, mainly Slim Pickens on Twitter has said, I would like you to watch Pound Puppies. We have brought you Pound Puppies now. So we hope that you enjoy this episode. We want to start everything off by really kind of understanding exactly what our nostalgic anchor is with Pound Puppies. And so is this something, Jackie, that you had personal experience with? Was this, was this, did you ever watch this cartoon? We have toys that we can talk about. There's a lot there to unpack. So there is a pound puppy in a Tupperware box in my parents' basement that needs to be rescued, yes, <laughs> but also was the toy that I slept with in my bed every night up until, I would say, like third grade or so. So I had the toy, and I remember the show, but... In reviewing the show, I must have watched reruns or something because the year the show debuted, I was only one years old. So I, I watched the we, show somewhere. We get it. We get it. You're young. Um, you're yeah. youthful, exuberant. Yes. Hello. Um, I'm like, bright eyes. What? Uh, so, so, yes. <laughs> a lot of nostalgia for Pound Puppies. Excellent. Excellent. And, and so you, you watched actually some reruns at some point in time of this show when it was on TV? Yes. I, I knew this show because you mentioned Saturday morning cartoons. And I made an offhanded comment like, the only Saturday morning cartoon I watched was Pound Puppies, thinking you would dismiss that. Absolutely not. No. <laughs> and now we're in my apartment. <laughs> it's lovely. So yes, I do, I do remember watching the show. And watching it, watching these episodes, it all, it all came back to me. Perfect. Yeah. That's what we aim to do here. I mean, good to hear that you had such that uh, such a great memory with it. And good to hear that I'm not a dismissive asshole when other people pitch stuff to me. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> awesome, Jackie. Danny. Yeah. What was your experience? What was your anchor with Pound Puppies? So I was super excited to hear that we would be doing Pound Puppies because I had a gray Pound Puppy, which was in a Tupperware in my parents' basement. 
and now is a Tupperware in my basement because I tried to find it and I know it's in my basement, but I can't find it. But I know I have it. Uh, it was, I had the toy. It was in my, I slept with it at my mom's house. It was a mom toy. I had my dad stuffed animals and I had my mom stuffed animals. So I very much remember it. Now here's the thing. I don't remember the cartoon at all, having watched it for this podcast. And so when you first brought this up, I was like, I know I'll remember it. I don't remember it at all. <laughs> and I, if Jackie was one, I would have been. 85. 87 years old. 80, we were looking for 87. Uh, I would have been eight or seven or eight. So disappointing. I don't remember the cartoon, but I loved the toy. No. I mean, I, I agree with both of you. I had, I think. Uh, and I think that that's always the interesting question is what color was the pound puppy gray. that you had? Gray. Did you have gray as well? Brown. I had brown. My my brother had brown. We were twins. My brother had brown and I had gray. I had a like a like a chocolate lab kind of one. And then I had a smaller one, like a mini pound puppy that was kind of like, he looked like a chocolate chip cookie where he was sort of like that light brown and yeah. then had like really dark splotches. That's what my brother had. Okay. That's what my brother had. And so I had I had two. So I definitely had the I had stuffed animals, and I, I think that it was definitely at that '80s moment because I was six years old when this show came out, and so it was always kind of fun because I, I had a huge stuffed animal collection as a kid, and I, I feel like maybe kids these days don't have as many stuffed animals. I I, I only say this because my my niece. Uh, my both of my nieces, like I will buy them toys, and I don't feel like they carry around or use mm -hmm. a lot of stuffed animals at the moment. Uh, the big thing for them is like dress up. They're like two and four, yeah. and so they're kind of like they're not in that stage yet. But I don't. I, I I'm looking forward to that stuffed animal moment where I can kind of share that. It was a big deal. Like I had like a Bart Simpson stuffed animal. I had like a Slimer from Ghostbusters oh, that yeah. like you put your hand in oh. the back and he like you yep. can make him talk. Yeah. So I had like all this cool stuff. Did you have a Care Bear? I did have, I had a bunch of Care Bears. Oh, those I, were the best. So great. And, and to your point, mine was not in a Tupperware container in my mom's basement. Mine is in a cedar closet, like a cedar chest. Wow, you're keeping the humidity out of it, which is I, wonderful. And the moths, that's the and important the thing. I don't, that's what right. cedar chests are for. You that's know, right. I think the, the crazy thing is, is that two weeks ago, we had talked on this show about Teddy Ruxpin and uh, one of our guests, Tony Lazzaroni, had been looking up uh, pictures online of uh, the 80s version of Teddy Ruxpin. And guess what, gang? He does not age well at all. <laughs> like, the fur is, like, matted. Eyes are missing when you, like, Google original ones. Like, it's just, it's kind of a sad state of affairs. But I think my pound puppy is still in pretty good condition. Well, yeah, he's in Tupperware, Jack. He's in Tupperware. <laughs> <laughs> he's not getting any air. I think he is yeah. doing quite well. You have like a pristine pound puppy at this point. It's yeah. that's a, that's a collector's item right there. eBay. It's good. But they didn't sell. have they didn't have names, right? Do you guys because you remember how Cabbage Patch they had names? Like, they came with, with the birth certificate. Yeah, they came with Cabbage the Patch. Yeah, but right. but like you pound. don't know what the name of your pound, right? Well, it's in line with the pound. Did they name them at the pound? I mean, Oof. besides. <laughs> Not if I have a say about it. <laughs> Denny has disappeared and we've had Stoneheart that's come back. You're like back. Mrs. Hannigan right now. <laughs> I'll show you. <laughs> I can't. Oh, God. Right. So if you are not familiar with the Pound Puppies toy line that we're talking about or the cartoon itself, Pound Puppies is a 1986 American animated series made by Hanna-Barbera Productions. 
based on the toy line by Tonka, which Tonka, oddly enough, synonymous with like trucks and everything that they would have, decided to get into the kids' market for puppies that were at a pound, which is quite possibly the saddest thing in the world. Uh, it is the sequel to the 1985 television special Pound Puppies that kind of started everything. The show was broadcast on ABC between September of 1986 and December of 1987. In this series, no mention was made of Violet's whereabouts after the special. So there was a character named Violet in the special that they just almost completely wrote out for the animated series. The show found itself under a lot of competition from competitors such as Disney's Flup Dogs, which with a name like that, how could you compete? Which was also adapted into a special, but unlike Pound Puppies, was never made into a regular series. It was the first cartoon adaptation of the property, and the second being the 2010 series that they've now rebooted. The newer Pound Puppies was a Canadian-American animated series that premiered on Hub Network, as in the Hub original series, and that began on October 10th of 2010 and ended November 16th of 2013. If you know anything about this show and Canadian cartoons, hearing that gives me cause for alarm. It is worth noting that Betty White was actually on the Canadian American Animated Series, and she was the voice actress for a character named Agatha McLeish. She's a huge animal rights activist. <laughs> is she really? No. Oh, yeah. Betty White is a huge animal rights activist. She's the best. She's great. It's wonderful. So, yeah, just a little bit of context about the history of Pound Puppies, the actual animated series. And so, Jackie, you're going to give us a little bit of a synopsis about what we Actually, Jackie and Denny, you're both going to give us a little bit of a synopsis because this series kind of changed and evolved over time. Yeah, so in season one, you are introduced to Cooler, Nose Marie, Bright Eyes, Howler. Um, they all are returning characters from the special that aired. And then we have a new character, Whopper, who is known for telling tall tales. And they are mighty tall and grandiose. The show also debuted the evil Katrina Stoneheart, who Denny has been impersonating. I'll get you. <laughs> With her equally evil daughter, Bratina. Bratina has a pet cat, Catgut. And then we have uh, <laughs> Katrina's goddaughter, Holly. Holly is a friend of the Pound Puppies. She originally ran the puppy Pound. Other characters included the horrific horrific. Captain Slaughter, who was responsible for the destruction of the puppy's hometown of Wagga Wagga. Uh, if you hear their accents on the show, it does not sound like they're all from the same hometown, but whatever. <laughs> Katrina and Bertina were constantly plan planning to tear down the pound where the animals lived while organizing themselves to be adopted out to loving families. In the second season, the series underwent a significant overhaul. It was re-entitled the all-new Pound Puppies. Several of the characters were given very different backgrounds, appearances, and personality traits. For example, Bright Eyes was significantly younger and had updated clothing. Nose Marie had changed as well. She dropped her strapless purple dress and flirtatious manner with Cooler in favor of a 1950s sitcom-style mom with dress with apron, becoming a surrogate mother to Whopper, Bright Eyes, and the rest of the puppies. Man. And we actually had an opportunity to see that sort of evolution from the first season to the second season for tonight because we've watched season one, episode one, which is called Bright Eyes Come Home. And then we ended up watching season two, episode 12, or it's episode 25 overall of the new Pound Puppies, 
that was called Peter Pup. And we watched this episode because it was the highest rated episode on IMDb with a 9.3, which is incredible. <laughs> when you think of the content, yes. When, yeah, when you think of the content. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, uh, who's voting? Yeah, just, who's voting? It's everybody on IMDb. Yeah. Me. Stoners, I think, <laughs> if you saw that episode. I mean. I don't want or to get into it. Maybe just that. people who didn't watch fables or read stories yeah, when they were right. kids, right? You know, or yeah. understand how to map those into actual original yeah. storytelling. They were like, this Peter Pup tale should become a story. <laughs> it was <laughs> demonic. Almost. And it was weird because they just had the Wizard of Oz with puppies. Yeah. <laughs> but they called it Peter Pup. Very different. Yeah. Oh, man. So, like any show that we have, we want to kind of kick this off and really dig into a couple common elements and themes that we've seen on all the cartoons that we've watched here for SMC. And so to begin this off, we are going to dig into the theme song. And so, Jackie, what, was your, what were your impressions with the theme song that we saw for Pound Puppies? So the word I would use to describe the theme song is triumphant. There's a real like, bop, 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 bop. And then it's like very like on the up and up, which again, given their circumstances, is highly optimistic. The other thing I love is how the theme song open it it opens. It has a very match game seventy six yes. feel, right? Yeah. Like I'm yep. expecting expecting Richard Dawson to show up because uh. they're like, and now pound puppies, and it. And it has like a little like ramp up. It was so Game Show Network nostalgic when I rewatched it. Um, and, you know, it has this, this is something I only noticed the second time I watched the theme song, was there's this light panting of puppies keeping rhythm in the background. Yep. And it's like a, <sighs> and it's just adorable. Denny, so, are you blushing? <laughs> I am. Are you blushing, Denny? It's, I, I am, and I for several reasons. So at any point in time tonight, we could just go like, <sighs> and it'd be normal. <laughs> Finally. So those are my thoughts on the theme song. I mean, it was match game, 76 realness, triumphant optimism of survival, and a somewhat erotic doggy panting, <laughs> keeping the rhythm in the background. Excellent, excellent. Denny, what were your thoughts about the theme song? This is this is insane. And Jackie and I have not talked about this, but I have a Match Game 76 reference later. Perfect. That I want to talk about. Wonderful. Because and I didn't catch it in the theme song though. But when you said that, I was like, you're right. Ba-da-da-da-da. It's like, yeah. yeah. Um I what I wrote down was too long. <laughs> it's Oh, what, it was, it was get a, it to was, the point. It was a minute long in length. It was long. Um, I thought I wrote also wrote down it's good overview of the hijinks that we're about to get into because I do think every character sort of gets their take. That's true. But I, I did not. It was too long. It lost me. There's no. There's no words until the very end, <laughs> and all the words are, "Send me home. I want to go home." Did we watch the same theme song? Oh, wait. Yeah. I mean, I think. But I did not like this. I thought it was overproduced. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Oh, good to know. One man's take. It's uh, it's interesting because the music that they had in here really kind of started out very light with uh, bass and drums. And then they, they added a little bit of what sounded like almost like a tin whistle. 
sort of later on, like when there's kind of like marching and, and mm-hmm. going. And to your point, not only was there weird panting mm-hmm. that they had, but then they also started this rhythmic barking. Where oh, like, yeah. They just, oh, that was too much. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and it, yep. and it, like, it kicked in like halfway through. And that's like 30 seconds in for this. And you're just like, all right. So we go from like, <laughs> to like, <laughs> which is interesting. It's like an arousal sequence, <laughs> really. It's too much. <laughs> Too hot. Too yeah. hot for 1986. It's too hot for television. <laughs> yeah, and they end with the barber shop quartet. I'm sorry. Right. I'm, well, I'm Quint. No, no, no. I mean, there's five. Oh, that's true. I just, I don't want to. No, that, I'm not trying to do math here. But well, so too much. I, I will say this, and this is never like the intention uh, for this show, but it, it's always crazy how much we have parallels for this. So when we talked two weeks ago about Teddy Ruxpin. The theme song, and I believe the voice actor who was Teddy Ruxpin, sang uh, part of the the theme intro. And it is, it's fine, but the guy's not a singer, which kind mm. of makes it challenging when like the entire pitch to you is like, come dream with me tonight. And he like, he's hitting a real flat note and you're like, don't, don't do that, Teddy. Just like keep, yeah. maybe, maybe get like a. You're a successful toy line. Maybe get like a professional to well, kind of sing that through that. Does that guy go on to do another? To, is he a character in the show? He is. He's Teddy Ruxpin. <laughs> but is he a character in Pound Puppies? No, no, no. So the, the 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 idea that I have for this is that the actual like singing portion that we have for the Pound Puppies theme song is done rather well. It, it I, I want to say the content or maybe the message behind it mm. is very sad. Uh, it, it, it's challenging because it. it it says, we're pound puppies and we want to go home with you. Please take us home. Yeah. But it's done like, it, it's done in a very sing-song kind of quintet fashion, um, which is, is great, you know? And, and and they're actually, and to their point, and credit, they're in key for like when they're doing mm. it. Uh, but like, it, it's weird to see the contrast with Teddy Ruxpin where it's like in the key of nothing versus like in the key of like, please adopt me. Mm. And you're like, oof. Well, yeah, at least it's rough. Yeah. Ugh. I think it's Ruff. dog dog puns. Ruff. Oh, I didn't even mean that yeah, that way. Did. But <laughs> I think the whole thing might be a leftist conspiracy, and I say this as a leftist because it's about taking these dogs home, and how the, it's very classist. If you look at Katrina Stoneheart and the whole, I don't want to get into it too early. I'm saying the whole thing about being waiting till the end of the theme song and then being like, "Take us home. You have to take us home." Well, I mean, if anything, Denny, then I want to dog ear that for later. Oh. So we can talking about that. He's barking Come up your tree, Denny. Oh, barking. Dear. Are we are we doing dog puns this Here entire it is. show? I, I love it's a thing it. now. Perfect. So I thought this singing was actually done really well, despite the content being so sad. Uh, I love the fact that you not only received a visual but uh, like roll call, but you also had the announcer, which, as you were mentioning, was very game showy, kind of say, and now here's cooler. And, you know, and like the Arthur Fonzarelli of this show, just kind of like popping in and out. The worst. The worst. He's the worst. Uh, but it, it, it's it's interesting to kind of see that, which is fun because a lot of times they will throw in cartoons a lot of characters at you very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And you're sitting there like, who the fuck is this person? Like so much frantic kinetic energy in these openers because they're just trying to kind of get you ready for, for the, the vibe and the idea that they're going to bring you into. And for this, the show's kind of like, we're going to take a step back and be real chill about these need-to-be-adopted dogs. So get ready for the sadness. 
But then, as Jackie had mentioned, it's such a warm intro with the like, it's the pound puppies. And you're like, this should not be said with such a chipper tone. <laughs> Right, right, right. They're not about to win thousands of dollars. That's right, like a game show. Yeah. But da, 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 <laughs> they might get adopted. They might stay right where they are for three seasons. Right, exactly. <laughs> if anybody's listening, this has now gotten into what we would qualify for Saturday morning cartoons after dark. Oh. We are in the after dark wow. portion of I the knew show. It happened two hundred and one episodes in. <laughs> <laughs> that's not the episode count but i love you whatever <laughs> you got it you got it so i i think it's i think it's interesting plus you get a little bit of exposure to actually some of the villains that you're going to see and so you kind of have an idea of who's actually going to be there whether it's going to be katrina bertina catgut but you have like weird kind of evil eyes that are going on in the background as well which i think is kind of fun because it's like we have a yet to like tbd villain that you're going to see in the future correct Evil is lurking. It was the <laughs> message that I got around this pound. Yeah, and I thought Cat Gut, given the theme, would play a bigger role in the very beginning. Okay, but the, but he or she, whatever it is, didn't. Though Cat Gut did come up. I don't know if we'll get to it in the second episode. We right, watched. right. Uh, I thought that was going to be the sort of Osriel. Oh, okay, Smurfs. from Smurfs. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. but Gargamel's cat. I never. Yeah, I didn't really. That cat gut never really came up in a way I was hoping. There was a part of me that wondered if cat gut was the impetus for the uh, the the sister line to Pound Puppies or the Pound Purries, mm-hmm. <laughs> or right. even like the the puppy surprise and the kitty surprise. Do you remember these? Oh, I remember those. Yeah, yeah for sure. And, it doesn't mean like, anything and, to me. The whole idea. Well. Uh, friend of the show and now wife of the show, Melanie Harker, uh, has has mentioned multiple times that there is a toy out there called Puppy Surprise and Kitty Surprise. And the whole idea was like, they would do like Puppy Surprise three or four or five. And you would like open up the stuffed animal like in a stuffed animal type uterus and you would pull out. They'd have like multiple smaller stuffed animals inside. It was like a Trojan horse of stuffed animals. Yeah, It was a a lesson in biology and disappointment. Just because maybe you only got two. Are you saying that I'm you just didn't saying, know? You didn't you... know. You didn't know what you were going to get. Uh, hence the name Puppy, puppy or Sur- Kitty Surprise. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Otherwise, it's not a surprise. If, it, if they just named it like Puppy and you get two, that's <laughs> fair marketing. But so is Puppy Surprise. With all, but was three the max? I think three was the minimum. Five was the maximum. Ah. Yeah. yeah, okay. yeah. And then if you were that one random kid who just like didn't get any, you were just like, oh. wah, wah. yeah, pretty much. Yikes. Suicide rate. So to your point, though, about the the pound uh, purries being a, a sister line to the pound puppies. One thing in that they introduce in the theme song that really is interesting to me, and maybe, I, maybe I'm just out of touch. No, get into it. What's going on with the different animal species. But how much cats are antagonists to dogs like so it's interesting to me that they would then introduce pound purries as like cute lovable things when this series mm-hmm. really villainizes cats that's exactly it, it right i mean there is that old idiom you know we fight like cats and dogs yeah We're fighting like cats and dogs and so to kind of have a, a sister line to it i guess doesn't make a lot of sense but at the same time you know if you go to if you volunteer or if you go to any adoption shelter any humane rescue society that they have that's out there they have cats and dogs 
You know, I mean, they're sep- they're separated. It's the invisible hand of the market. <laughs> Jesus. I'm not joking. These people know how to make money, and they're like, you know what the pound puppy people, you know what the opposite of pound puppy people is? The pound purry people. And we can sell just as much to those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. Because is there a cartoon, Pound Purry? I don't believe so. I don't think that they just Pound Purry is. I think they to... just did the Pound Puppies. Yeah. I think that this was sort of the the Tonka flagship line that they had for getting into oh. stuffed animals uh, back in like 1985, 1886. And so Pound Purries came shortly after. And again, for them, it was just kind of like we had success with one animal. If right. you would If you would have let them go with like another animal that they could have uh, mapped alliteration onto they would have done like rabbits and bears mm. and other crap they could have thrown in there as long as it rhymed with like a p and you could put it in a pound that's right right you you got it yeah weird weirdos so i wanted to talk a little bit about the animation and i wanted to kind of get uh your idea because this this is very uh early and mid 80s animation and so there are a lot of cartoons that are out and around during this time in terms of contemporaries. There are a lot of interesting things and in, in color choices that they make in this show. And so, Jackie, I wanted to start with you and ask you what your opinion was of the animation for the show. So to me, it was very familiar. And I watched the episode before really reading more about the show itself and revisiting, like, you know, who made the show. And I was like, oh, it's very Hanna-Barbera, like, yeah. to myself. Like, I, I really can't. I'm, I'm patting myself on the back because... I was like, oh, and then I looked up later and I was like, it really does look, it just has that Hanna-Barbera look to it. Um, and it's, to me, what a classic cartoon should look like. Okay. Yeah. So I I, I liked it. I liked the animation style. It's, a, you know, it's very flat and at times it's very hokey, but the show is also sometimes flat and hokey. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I liked the animation style of it. Okay. No, great. That's good. Denny, what are your thoughts? I think it's like super great that you cast me as the villain in this because <laughs> I, I I'm from Ohio and we have a bunch of amusement parks in Ohio and one of them is Kings Island. And Kings Island had a Hanna-Barbera land growing up. Really? Yeah. Like so they had a bunch of cartoon themed rides. <clears throat> and so I do agree that it's Hanna-Barbera. Like it when you said that in the opening, I was like, yep, that's it. It's Hanna-Barbera. I have a very negative connotation with Hanna-Barbera because I just did not like my childhood. I am like settling. Like I'm not even, yeah. like I know, I don't have to go to therapy because I already did. I know what it is. I do not like that kind of animation. And this reminded me of it. And I'll give you an example. When they start a scene it's like the picture of the pound that's static and they're like playing music over it. It drives me crazy. I don't, I just, I, I think when I was watching this, I was like, I don't, um, I don't remember watching this, but I remember watching cartoons like it and it made me uncomfortable because I was like, this reminds me of my childhood and animation has come so far and I'm glad because I'm, I would not want to watch this now. It's too familiar i don't i didn't like it and i I don't think it's the animation i don't want to blame the story or anything i think i am upset about my childhood i'm not joking and i did not like this animation because i was like who this is where my mind went 
there's a writer's room of people writing this. Yes. And I didn't like it. Because <laughs> I was like, why? That's what they came up with? Because I really think you and me and Jackie sitting together could have done a better job. With the with the lines, obviously not the drawing. Sure. Sure. None of us here are... are we're not animators. animators. Now we're not. But I didn't like it. It reminded me of the things in childhood that I didn't like because it felt very static animation. I kept seeing Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo. And, and, and I and, did not like that. And to your point, I think that you're spot on with that. I noticed a lot of Scooby-Doo influence here. I mean, Scooby-Doo originally created and, and put together by Ruby Spears, but it was produced, mm. the show, by Hanna-Barbera. Mm. And so it's interesting to see because in terms of the animation, I want to say a lot of the same color palette from Scooby-Doo. You know, if you look at, uh, if you look at Cooler, he had sort of like a, like a blue kind of highlight jacket, very similar to Fred, you know? At some point, you you saw uh, Bright Eyes uh, had a like a green. She had like a green accent, very similar to like Shaggy, um, you know. And there was sort of like even personality wise, I was like there was a certain naivete that both of those characters might have in terms of what they were doing, uh, or a certain longing that they would have in terms of what their motivation and goals were as characters, you know. And then you look at Nose Marie; she's in purple. Um, you know, so like I, I almost felt like every single character that was here with the even even Whopper, you know, a, a, and and Cooler at some points, like Cooler would make comments in one of our episodes about puppy power, and then you had Whopper who was essentially the size of Scrappy Doo, and Cooler is saying a Scrappy Doo line, and I'm just like, this is this is straight up ripping off Scooby Doo right now. This is incredible to watch this. And so I, I agree with you. I could not agree with you more. That was my biggest uh, idea about this is that I think that a lot of the costume and colors felt like it was almost uh, like 70s style inspired um, from like a variety show, like Sharon mm. Sunny variety show that you would see. Like and Howler kind of almost felt like he was the embodiment of that with like the patch over his eye and like the goofy bowler and the vest, you know, can you like, and everybody kind of hammed and cheesed it up to the camera, like trying to break the fourth wall oh, during constantly. like. Oh, constantly. That's what I, I have written down. Cooler couldn't help himself. Yeah. He couldn't help himself. And my Match Game 76 reference is that Howler is Charles Nelson Ryland. <laughs> <laughs> he is not in the second episode because God forbid we use Howler to, I mean, like, here's the use thing. Howler sparingly. is the redeeming quality of this show. And in the first episode, he's a dream come true. He's Charles Nelson Riley with a hint of Phyllis Diller thrown in. <laughs> I was going to say Phil Diller. Right? And yeah, he's, they go hand in He's, I want to see more of him. I, he's the one dog I like. No, and there's nothing wrong with that. I, I just, it, it's, it's crazy to think that like we've all kind of hit on the same kind of 70s yeah. idea or motif that seemed to really, really uh, inspire this show. Uh, speaking of inspiration or the lack of inspiration, uh, this show had a lot of recycled animation. And, and the, the most telling point for me was that we had this Pound Puppies theme song. And then in the first 30 seconds, we had Bright Eyes in, in an instance where she's kind of like in an alley and she's a little bit scared and they have these alley cats that are coming up and they're making this like motion coming towards her. And they use that same bit of animation in 30 seconds, three separate times. And I oh. lost my mind thinking like, 
did these cheap shits not think that I was going to see this and, and realize that? I mean, it, it took me out of it for a moment, you know, and then it didn't feel like they really kind of got into that kind of like recycled and reused animation over and over again. But animation style, I was, I was curious and I was surprised to see that much so often. Mm-hmm. Um, we have uh, we had a we had a member of uh, our Twitter community that kind of reached out and, and asked the question to us very very recently. Uh, you know, what has been a cartoon that you've watched uh, over the years that you kind of thought to yourself like, oh no, why am I watching this again? Like this is this is not uh, this is not good. And this goes to uh, to Sin Eight Bit on on Twitter for for asking this question, and I, I answered Voltron the original eighty four version because it has so much recycled and reused animation over and over again that I loved it as a kid, but then as an adult, when I watched it, it kind of really just ruined the whole experience for me. And so that's when I hear that, it's like I call it the Voltron effect, that I'm just mm. like, oh, I liked this thing as a kid, but as an adult, like, oh boy, I cannot, I I cannot get into this anymore. Right. I saw that in the theme song, they use cat gut. Uh, there's this cat gut. <laughs> There's this cat gut opening up a lid situation, yeah. and he he or she whatever we're not I don't think it's made clear. I think it's a gender and neutral cat. Gender's a spectrum, <laughs> and uh, I want to be on record that gender is a spectrum. And it comes he, cat gut comes up, and so in Peter Pup, what is that? What is the second show? Yeah, Peter we Pup watched was the second Peter episode. Peter Pup. Catgut does the same thing as like Catzilla or something. I forget what it is, but yes. I was like, "Oh, this is," and and if they're recycling it in in episode twenty five, how many times has Catgut like done this? How many times has Catgut become a Godzilla character to right. kind of terrorize these dogs? Exactly. Yeah. Yikes! That's crazy. It's not great. No, especially again anti cat propaganda <laughs> everywhere. In Everywhere. this series. Classic classism. It's, yeah. No wonder cat ladies became a thing. That's right. Aww. It's all pound puppies' fault. It's pound these puppies' These women felt fault. shame. People <laughs> felt shame. They collected these catzillas. And you, and you would think for a show that is kind of based on shame and guilting you into adopting a dog, because like if any song if any theme song is just like we wanna go home <laughs> with you. Please take us yes, home. Like that's a plea. Yeah. That's it's. I mean, the messaging is on the nose <laughs> a little. And we all saw those on cats. the nose, Marie. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I love nose, Marie. I'm upset with myself for that. <laughs> <laughs> that's not even a, a dog much. pun. That's it's a just, pound. That's a pound pound puppy, puppy pun. It's a P three right <laughs> now. That's a P three. P cubed. But but speaking of uh, P cubed and and Nose Marie that we have in general, so we have a bunch of characters that are in this show, and we have quite an interesting list of actual characters that are kind of contained in this. Like we have Cooler, we have Whopper, we have Nose Marie, Bright Eyes, Howler, Holly. Uh, tonight we talked about uh, Katrina Stoneheart. We have Bratina, her daughter. We have Catgut. These are all characters that we've mentioned, and so. Kind of what I wanted to do is, is open this up. Like, was there anybody that you you loved or you liked? We could play fuck Mary Kill with some of these characters. <laughs> we don't have that. to. Or yes, we can. Yeah. So who did I love or like? 
yeah who, who when you saw that character who were you just like you know what i actually i'd like to see more of this character i really enjoyed it well this is a psychological thing um i liked nose marie because i think we look alike <laughs> i'm yeah dying. i'm saying it look at me <laughs> I look like nose marie. I love all of this. Guys, those. she has a big nose. You can't see me, but I have a big nose. She's got dark eyes, tan skin. I mean, it's all there. So I thought she was fabulous. You bear your shoulders quite well. Yeah, and she. Yeah. my favorite color is purple. I loved her. She was a doll. She's a darling. She's helpful. She's loving. She's nurturing. That's where we differ, but we look alike. And um, she was probably my favorite. She was great. Because I, I would say a close second runner-up is holly but i feel so bad for her i i feel so bad for her and we'll we'll get into her shortly She's okay like, yeah, let's there's do, a lot let's, of stuff to unpack let's Good. deep dive on I her so for that. me psychology you like what you know mm. what's close in proximity <laughs> um these are all factors so that's why i like to nose marie okay i'm just being honest that's great oh no was there was there any character that we we've talked about that you're just like i could never i i wish i had not seen them in the show at all cooler <laughs> is a jerk i hate him i can't stand him if we were in high school together i wouldn't have signed his yearbook i would have been like wow. no it's done yeah. you don't get along we yeah. wouldn't have gotten along he's right. intolerable do you don't you know, now psychological question again do you feel personality wise that you wouldn't have gotten along with him because you're too similar to him or you're just too much of a juxtaposition? Well, yeah, sometimes I talk like this. Hey, hey yo, yo, hey, I'm Tony I'm Danzo. Hey, uh, come down the sewer drain. Oh. Hey, Angela. <laughs> Literally. Samantha. So I looked up. I was like, did Tony Danza do Cooler's voice? Did Tony Danza have a and rough again, spot? Maybe and he had to do the Cooler's 70s voice. influence. Because what? Tony Danza was on tack. Was he on Taxi? No. I don't think so. No, before Who's the Boss, Tony Danza was on. Was he on Taxi? I think Tony Danza. We're going to find this We're going to have a sound. fact check. Sabrina. Fact that's check. our That's our assistant. Sabrina, find this out. Anyways, Cooler has this real Tony Danza vibe to him. And it's all about him. Like, he, he always brings it back to himself. Mm -hmm. He laughs at his own jokes. He's. Oh, my God. He was on Taxi for, like, five years. <laughs> guys. Again, Jackie. 1985. Apologies Jackie from Poliche. these assholes. I'm so sorry. Thank oh you. Good for you. Yeah. I watched a lot of late night. Mary Lou Henner. Was she on Taxi? Mary Lou Henner was, was she that girl? No, that's what's her no, name. No, that's. Uh, Mary Lou Henner was on Taxi. Yeah, I think that's right. I watched that whole, see now I'm, we're going off, but there was. Mary Lou Henner was on Taxi. There yeah, was that okay. late night, Um, it was Block Party Summer was. A Nick Nickelodeon run during the summer one year, and it was like Taxi, Welcome Back, Cotter. Oh yeah, and all Happy Days, all of those shows, and so that's how I know that. I was big into Mr. Cotter, Happy uh. Days, and then I, I I jumped back into like Patty Duke show, My oh. Three Sons, Mr. Ed, Mr. Ed. Watched all the, uh, yeah. you know, it just so much of that was just television that was on and I was like this is really interesting and for some reason this kind of resonates why am I watching so much of this you know but I couldn't stop it was on know? for hours, Can I I ask, hours. what's the Sean Jackie recommends one show deep dive Mary Tyler Moore I mean oh, Mary Tyler Moore show well, is Mary fantastic Tyler, well yeah I mean okay I mean I really liked Patty Duke really I thought Good. that that was okay, a great I thought that was a fun show okay. I, I I just got into it for like years and years 
Right. So that's my recommendation. Sean, we recommend to you Empty Nest. Oh. Because we talked. Did you watch Empty Nest? Denny I and did, I yeah. talked. Richard Mulligan? We yeah. have a lot of TV. Park crossover. Overall? Park <laughs> Excuse me? We're really Park doing overall? this to talk about Park Overall because no one's ever mentioned her on a podcast. There was probably. a failed <laughs> Golden Girls pilot that they did inside a Golden Girls show. Yeah. I watched with Rita Moreno? Yeah. I watched Empty Nest. Uh, I watched that a bunch because that was like, I was back in the time when I was like watching. Uh, Mrs. Garrett, who just passed oh, away. Facts of Life. Facts of Life. Facts of Life. Oh, and so God. that was like a that was one of those big shows that like so I watched great. for for just years where I was like, again, mm. it was it was like a reason to stay home sick to get yes. excited about it because I was like, I'm gonna watch Facts of Life and I'm gonna Ugh. watch game shows and Quantum Leap. And Ugh. so these were like things that to yeah. set right. Well, you Sean what said earlier, he he doesn't take me as someone who watches a lot of TV. I, now I don't watch that much. It's because that's all I did as a child. She filled quit, up early. I quit dance lessons because I didn't want to miss my television. Oh my I didn't want to miss my programs. So, yeah. Jackie, I, your shows are wrong. My Get shows down are wrong. here. I had to go. And that was the time when you couldn't, like, you know, uh, Tiva them or, or DVR them. No, that's that right. Point. Right. You Jackie's t- mother said to her father, You got to stop watching Monday Night Football because Murphy Brown is on. <laughs> I need to see those shoulder pads. <laughs> and now it's coming back and everything old is new again. Yeah, it's perfect. So, Wonderful. Denny, I'm going to move on and just talk okay. about some of these characters that you yep. had. And what was your what was your love it or hate it? In Howler. Terms of these? You hated Howler? No, love. You hated Howler? This is It's what we know. It's what Jackie said. So, you hate Charles Nelson Riley? No, here's the thing. I watched Howler and I was like, okay, so Howler's me and I love Howler. Uh, <laughs> and, but I literally said... I, I thought to myself, I'm going to be watching this with Jackie. And I said, Nose Marie is Jackie. Like, I and Howler and Nose Marie, they have a thing where he goes into her doghouse, which is entirely too big. I don't know if you saw that, but you walk into Nose Marie's doghouse and it goes on and on and on, even though it looks small. She's a diva. Yeah. And Howler is, he's bombastic and he's. Uh, crazy, and I think, and then in season two, he's nothing. Yeah, they and, minimize the hell and out all, of it. And like. I just, I'm sick about it. And But cooler, I'm with Jackie 100%. Cooler, here's what I wrote down. I want to I want to read this word for a way. Cooler, you wouldn't want to travel across country with him. That's what I wrote. <laughs> because here's why. Howler is a guy. Who sees a sign? Wait, cooler, cooler is a guy. Cooler, yeah. cooler is a guy who sees a sign on the side of the road and has to talk com- comment about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He's your dad, and I love my dad, but he's full of dad jokes and breaking the fourth wall, and he's full of nonsense. So yeah. he, I know he's used as a framing device for storytelling. Like I'm gonna let you in on the joke. It's unhelpful. Okay. All right. So this will be interesting. I'm going to start with my hate it first. Yes. And I'm going to say that I actually, uh, I, I I didn't like the content or the focus for the character Bertina because I, I felt like a fun accent, and we can get into that, uh, but I, I, I know that Jackie might have an impression. Oh, I'm and, ready. Oh, it's, well, cue it up. It's ready, Sean. I'm coming for you. <laughs> Mommy, daddy. Mommy. Oh my god! 
but I mean, it's 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 very interesting. It, it's pretty unique to hear the the vocal work that they did for that specific character. But I, I'll say, for the villain to then also have sort of a deputy villain that's the daughter, yeah. it didn't make a lot of sense to me in terms of servicing the story because, like you said, it was it felt like it was mainly filler conversation. Where she's like, "Mommy, oh, what am I doing? Oh, right. what am I doing here? Oh," and you're like, uh, "Wrap it up." Uh, I, I will say that I did enjoy the Whopper character. I think just, again, psychologically, because it was very imaginative. There was a lot of things going on, a lot of storytelling, and a lot of, like, creating sort of, like, this weird, interesting fantasy of things that were going, that were that were happening. Uh, it, was, it was kind of cool to see where he would take that character. Plus, you know, I distinctly remember, like, probably in the 80s and the, in the early, like, mid-90s, I was watching a lot of wrestling and so there were moments where like he would dress up like superheroes or wrestling characters and like that was like that was a big deal for me during that time. Um so I, I definitely related to that. I'll say I actually have a slightly contrasting feeling and opinion about Cooler. I kind of uh, felt I wow. felt I felt like he was sort of the person every once in a while that he was just like, I want to make sure everybody's having a good time and they feel like they're taken care of. And I like that kind of quality and aspect. I see what you're both saying. It was too on the nose. It too, not for the dog puns. No, <laughs> we, we get it. We get and it. I'm not it. even trying. I know, but yeah, I, I just I think that it was something where like I loved the fact that, like he was very protective of of certain characters mm-hmm. and like his objective and his goal should have been the objective and goal of everybody that was on this show, which is like I'm gonna make sure that you have a loving home, and you're just like what a fucking sweet guy. But the way he kind of goes about it, maybe not the best. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with you more. I I sort of think it was the writers trying to put themselves in the show in that way. Okay. And I just think there's a smarter way to do it. I, I He would literally turn to the TV screen, break the fourth wall, and be like, you know what it's like. <laughs> and it was like... I felt like I was in Vegas. I just felt sick. So I have to say, because now Sean has me coming around on Cooler. This was something, though, I did want to mention that I think is interesting, is Cooler is the only real male-dominant character. The Holly is a female. Right. The villains are both females. So, you know, it's just interesting. And and again, not that it was good to uh, make that, heteronormative like he's the guy like it's like it was weird because there was no male male human presence right not at all but the 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 one who still figured out was the male but it was a dog i gotta tell you though i just want to make sure and here's the thing i'm the last person to ever do this but i want to make sure we're not calling this feminist at all because no it's not i'm saying it's it's almost saying like Still, at the end of the day, the one who pulled it all together and was yeah, the okay. voice of reason okay. was the man. I, when it could have been one of the mm-hmm. many lead female characters. Yeah, okay. I just right. wanted to make sure. That, Interesting. Yep. Yeah. Because I don't. I wrote down at one point, especially in Peter Pup, that. No. It's almost anti feminist. No, Because cool. yeah. Bright Eyes is a dummy and she's not allowed to do anything. And it's all about Whopper and Cooler and how, how, am I allowed to curse on this? Yeah, of course. How fucking dumb they are. They're fucking dumb. And it's like, cool. I just, I want to give, if you can give me 15 more seconds. They 
it's all about them flying around and and cool, we're out of time and cool, <laughs> and cooler being like <laughs> and cooler being like as long as nobody lies and whoppers like i never lie and i it's just and bright eyes is a, just along for the ride She's not allowed to say a goddamn thing in that entire yeah. episode. And knows Marie's trying to get a word in, but yeah. her house is so big, she can't make it to the scene She's by the time fairy she does. could help She's out. Sprinkling fairy. Cooler is the kind of guy who, when you walk by him at 8.45 in the morning, you missed the 43, you got to get on a 42 bus. Ugh. The day is awful. He's Don't like, get me smile, sweetie. <laughs> That's cool. You know why? Because he's always got something to say. He's always got something to say. He's never without a line. I had an aha moment, though, to switch gears quickly. Is Whopper reminiscent or somewhat stolen of Snoopy? Because Snoopy was, you just said this, Sean, about his fantasy. Because Snoopy was imaginative. Right, right. Red Baron. Everything. Like, you know, he was always in his head. So do we think that that's a bit of a stolen identity? Or I defer to you on that. No, no. I mean, I I, I can definitely see some of that. You know, I definitely see sort of in terms of the stature, uh, the the Scrappy-Doo character that we have from, again, Hanna-Barbera. Uh, in terms of what they're doing. And then I think even in this this Peter Pup episode, they keep saying puppy power over and over and over again. And that was Scrappy's like, huh, puppy power. Like, oh. when he'd like when he'd get ready to kind of like wind up and get ready to box somebody. And so, you know, he was like, he'd be like, it would, that his charge was like that puppy power. And then he'd like rush yeah. at the villain for the show. Uh, so I, I feel like there's a lot of elements from dog animation that they just tried to pull into one character. Uh, I I I think it's varying degrees of success uh, for agreed. it. Agreed. So, yeah, yeah, agreed. So we've kind of talked a little bit about uh, some of these episodes, and we've kind of talked a little bit now about some of the content of some of these episodes. And so for tonight, we we began with season one, episode one, "Bright Eyes Come Home," and I know that we've talked about the Bright Eyes character and just sort of uh, how minimized they they tended to make her in some of these episodes. And so we're not going to go beat by beat for this actual episode, but we have a couple questions that we think need to get answered. And I'll say, I'm gonna start off with a non-dog uh, character related episode and just say, hot take, is it a good idea to put a young, maybe teenage girl in charge of an entire business to run a pound for multiple dogs? Thank you. I mean, that's, there we are. Not a realistic expectation. And you're being generous, Sean. I my note was she's nine. Oh, I think really? she's nine years oh, old. My like God. I don't think Holly has even she she's not wearing a training bra. She like, hasn't had a period. Yeah. She hasn't Denny's like, I could curse. I could do anything. Yeah, but she definitely <laughs> is is like it's it's not even she's not an inkling of a woman yet. I mean, it's a, it's abuse. <laughs> and the sad thing is, it's actually she's the one who wants to go home. She wants oh, to be rescued. What She's do you in want? the pound. Oh, my fucking heart. We never Guys, see her parents. Yeah. Oh. yeah she, well, cause, so Katrina is her godmother and is literally he, like, like leaves her to this pound. I think she lives there. I mean, we don't ever see her in a home. Also, she has some sort of like control panel, underground situation yeah, where she's a lot going. there's a lot going, like an underground lab she's yeah. really kind of a voyeur when it boils down to it mm-hmm. where you know there, there's there's a moment where this whole episode really kind of starts off with 
we have Bright Eyes trying to get adopted, but then the the bigger kind of overarching A plot that we have for this is Holly getting $200 for an electrical bill yes. that uh, her aunt or her, her godmother has kind of given to her and said, if you can't pay this by the end of the day, I'm going to take away the pound. And, and mm-hmm. to me, I was like, I don't know that you understand how property works no, or exactly utility right. bills. I have so much to say. Yeah. And, and, then, and then moments later, she's like, you have until the end of the week. And I was That's like, what? exactly right. I was like, yes. what the fuck is it? The goalposts are constantly moving on this. Yeah. And so it, it, it's challenging. And so feel free to get into it, Denny. I mean, these are- I was disturbed by an adult figure showing up and saying- you have an electric bill you can't pay to a child. and But here's the thing. My first take on this was, if I'm going to map it onto today's society, this is classism. I mean, Katrina is the upper class, and Holly is the lower class. This is what I was thinking. Despite the fact that Holly is not of age, <laughs> she can't possibly run any of this, I'm thinking... Exactly what you were thinking. You gave a deadline. We missed the deadline. You changed the deadline. Irregardless, you're not the utility company. Right. Why are you collecting this money? But long story short, it's disturbing to me that such a young child is running the entire pound. And I think that's one of the things they changed in season two. Yeah, I mean they yeah. they they uh they gave her multiple pounds that she had to to run. She sort of became uh in charge of a like a pound conglomerate at mm-hmm. that point. So she had a lot more like CEO of a pound. She got a promotion. <laughs> she got a promotion. No, I'm, for I'm doing such a great job. Yeah, for for not having to euthanize dogs. <laughs> but the, the, so much of this cartoon would not fly today because you also have this Hollywood guy this this greasy grimy guy showing up and taking away what is essentially the nine-year-old dog into a life of crime right it's all a little too close to the nerves for today this would never fly it's interesting because we have this this character We've talked about all these characters, but then we have a single episode character that comes in to kind of further some of the plot points that we have here. His name is Samuel Quinton, which if that sounds familiar, sure, you may understand that, and it might be a reference to the California Corrections Prison, San Quinton, that they have that's out there. Oh my God. I know, right? Love it. Yeah. So we have this character who who comes in and adopts the, the female dog, Bright Eyes, who really kind of begins the episode with that whole goal, that desire of like, I was out looking around and and in these alleys because I was trying to find a home. I was trying to find this forever home. And you're like, this is this is fucking heart-wrenching. It's a writer's room of a Hollywood studio, isn't it? I mean, like, isn't this what happened? I, I, I mean, you you to break it down, I mean, you have a lot of options, you know, that are kind of on the table. And so you know, a part of it is like, how do we tell a story? How do we understand what these characters are, what their focus and their motivation is? And so if the focus and the motivation and goal is actually to get adopted, you know, how desperate are they? 
you know, and what, what is the level of desperation? And with Bright Eyes, it seems like she's gotten to a point where she's like, enough is enough. Well, Bright Eyes knows Holly has to also be learning times tables in her free time. <laughs> she's taking the situation into her own hands. Again, she, she, she had to get scrappy. I mean, I got to give the girl some credit. I mean, I think it's a strong choice and it's a strong move on her, on her part and her character, but then to suddenly kind of get caught up in this and, and saved by cooler, I was like, all right, here we go. Yeah, here we go. This is exactly right. I mean, this is everything that's, this is what we recognize as wrong with today's society. But in the 1980s was like, yep, that's how it goes. You needed a male dog to come in and swoop in and save you. Uh, it's challenging. I, you know, and I, I, along with the swooping in and saving portion of this, we kind of have Cooler saying like, it's my responsibility, hey, it's my responsibility. Hey, right. hey and he hits a jukebox. And, <laughs> and then the Weezer music video plays in the background. Wait, they uh, do a lot of sporadic dancing and singing. They Speaking do. of hitting the, when they show up to that like puppy, like all the older, bigger dogs. The yeah, growling. Like, what we want to do right. is twist or that. Oh, yeah. Let's do the twist. So right. yeah, we're talking about like at the very end of this episode, they go to this, they go to this location. It's called the Bark and Growl Cafe. It's where all the tough dogs hang out, and they go in here to ask questions to find where this Samuel Quinton character is that has that has taken Bright Eyes from them. And so, in a moment of conflict that they have. Uh, they just simply go, you have any last requests? And he goes, yeah, let's do the twist. And then <laughs> and then in one scene, they're dancing and they're doing the twist. And then they're doing it on the side of the wall. And I was like, when did this show fucking defy gravity? Right, exactly. When, like, when did we get all wicked in terms of being able to mm-hmm. put dogs on the side of a wall to do an old dance move? But also, those dogs were like, let's find him. And the guy was like, I want. I just need to find Sam Quentin, and they were like, "Well, we'll sniff him out." But they all hated him. They could have sniffed him out the whole time. Yeah, it just—it's the continuity of it doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, and and you know what? I, I'll say this, and I think you bring up a really great point, Denny, is that when we're kids and we were in the '80s, yeah. whether we were one or eight or six, and we were watching this show. We gave all these cartoons a lot of leeway mm-hmm. that they were just kind of moving us through this story and this idea. I mean, look, if I thought to myself in the 80s that like there were actually Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, when I got older as 38, I'm in for a lot of crying, mm-hmm. which That's is true. what I do constantly. Oh, I, don't, I love that. Don't worry about it. But it's... Sean, <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, but you know, it, it, so you get a lot of leeway in terms of story progression as a child who's watching some of these things and like, it doesn't have to make sense. They're just trying to kind of keep in some sense positive and uplifting and motivating mm-hmm. for kids to watch. And I mean, ultimately it might be a little wholesome, you know, to a point where you're like, this does not make sense in storm in terms of actual storytelling, you know, but it's not offensive and it's not terrible, right. you know? They did multiple kind of like songs to Jackie's point to kind of like cheer up bright eyes. And then we had a twist segment that oh, was yeah, like 16. Like, when yeah. you leave, we'll sing this. Like, goodbye, bright, bright eyes. eyes. Goodbye, bright, bright eyes. eyes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, a lot of sporadic singing in yeah. pound. And, and, they and, also <laughs> dressed in trench coats too. Um, <laughs> to, first to enter the bar and growl. And then. <laughs> 
<laughs> but then to deliver the news to Bright Eyes, they gave her a fake newspaper created out of whole cloth. Right. Uh, in which she was convinced to do her next role or something. It was all, I get your point about the story progression. Like, you just got to go with it. Right. And I, I think along with story progression in here, that's always interesting. And we've talked about sort of the sporadic singing. I think that's what's always interesting is that like you have characters who will make dialogue choices uh, to the writing, to the point about the writing that is always like super, super interesting to me. And so sometimes that comes about in terms of like what a catchphrase would be for that specific character. And I don't know if you notice this, but there's that moment where they're trying to find Bright Eyes and Sam Quinton. And they're they're trying to to bring her back because they've realized that she's not really a movie producer. And so Cooler has this line that really made me cringe. Maybe you guys will uh, remember this, but uh, Cooler just goes, pound puppies, let's start pounding. And I just went, okay. <laughs> like, I was like, how sexy is this show going to get right now? <laughs> let's start It all goes pounding. back to that panting, oh. panting and pounding. We've all been there. Yep. Yeah. It was just, mm. let's start pounding. pounding. Oh, <laughs> I was like. Gosh. But I mean, some. I guess my point is, someone wrote that. Yeah. Like. There was a writer's room. Denny has it out for the writer's room of Pound Puppies. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like, were they just like, we can get away with anything because people don't get it yet? I mean, possibly. I mean, maybe they're sticking in euphemism. They're sticking in things that, you know, again, like almost 30 years later, you know, 30 plus years later, we're, we're, we're watching this now and we're thinking to ourselves, like, we kind of have a little bit more context in terms mm-hmm. of sexual uh, innuendo right. we sort of have been exposed to more we've maybe become a little desensitized to some of the things that we hear and so back in that day they were probably just like you know kind of like a like a let's hit the streets like let's pound mm. the pavement and like mm. for, but like when we hear this now we're just like oh how fuck how like right. how much were those dogs fucking back yeah, then fucking all the time yeah well in the pound especially it gets lonely uh. <laughs> um <laughs> Here's the thing that was said that I wanted to talk about, though. At the end of this episode, they, to speak of the writers that Denny hates so much, they go, um, I think it's cooler. Of course it's cooler because he does all the talking. He's like, we saved Bright Eyes from a life of crime. And I'm like, she was not the one committing the crimes. Like, she was just a tool. Plausible deniability. Right. I mean, she she was ultimately... To your point, Jackie, she was definitely uh, an unknowing accessory uh, to to theft at that yeah. point. And so you were you were making the point. It was it was so weird. First of all, it was so dramatic. <laughs> it's because it's cooler. It's he has to save the day. <laughs> he does. Knows Marie says that a totally different way. Here's what she says. She says, "We got our baby back." And then she went baby back, baby, baby back, baby, baby back, baby back. Yeah, Julie. This cooler has to. Yeah, so it was just, he has to swoop in. It, it. I was like, for those of you who've been watching, no, she was not. She was not the one committing the robberies and the jewel theft. Like she, she was. She was an accessory, but it's not like it, it was your classic. Like, oh, she got in with the bad crowd. She didn't know. Right. Should stars in her eyes? She literally did. Yeah. The animation <laughs> in this episode have stars in her eyes. What would have been? I guess as a curious point. Now that we're we're far past where this writer room and hopefully they've learned some lessons and they've kind of grown and matured, fingers crossed. 
but who knows? Uh, what would have been some better things for Cooler to kind of have said at the very end of this episode? But can I hear it in an Arthur Fonzarelli tone? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> if they're not your friend, they're a stranger. I don't know. Oh, that's actually really good. Yeah. 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 If they're not your friend, they're a stranger. Yeah, because that to me is actually the better takeaway was that she trusted this man. Now, again, she was so desperate. So maybe it's like, you know, don't give what would my mother. My mother would say, why buy the cow when you could get the milk for free? Kind of along those lines of like, mm-hmm. don't give it up. Hold out. Okay. She mm-hmm. should have held out for a better owner, but she was so desperate. And I, and I also want to I want to mention too that just in terms of how uh, like animal alliances or adoption societies actually give out animals, it's not just like hey you show up in a convertible right. and I, like I, I I take a dog with me like they actually interview you you have to talk with them you know you you bring the dog home for a day to see if it is a good fit in terms of your space like they're they're much more considerate understanding and there's a process this was. This was challenging because, you know, a lot of this this show and the whole point that they have they're making early on is that today's adoption day and we need yeah. to adopt these dogs. And to me, I was like, isn't that every fucking day for you guys? Yeah. Because like, um and maybe it wasn't like that in the eighties. That's what made me think about that. Is like I we recently well, it's been a year ago, hand to God, that we adopted our baby girl. Uh, my husband and I, and maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was easy. Maybe you showed up, and you could get a dog, which wouldn't surprise me in the eighties. Because like, what paperwork was anybody doing? Right. I mean, I, I remember in the eighties when we, when my my mom and my sister and I went uh, to an adoption place, and we adopted a cat. I, I, we had never been there before. We like went and came home with a cat, right? And like that was it. I made three trips to Fairfax, Virginia. Excuse me. Yeah. I, I was going to say in the Fairfax, 80s, Virginia. Anyone could pick up anyone on a schoolyard That's up exactly until 1983. Right. You needed a Twizzler and a state of mind. You didn't need to be like a permission slip or something like that. A Twizzler in a state of mind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. I mean, it, it, it's challenging. And I think hopefully as a society, we've learned a little bit more about how to find what they call like a forever home. Right. For a pet. And so, yeah. you know, this... This show, I think, contextually would never work today for the simple fact that, like, it completely disregards that idea and focus for animals in general. It's like, these are commodities that you just need to get into your house. Right. Instead of thinking how we perceive pets to be now, which is like, this is a member of our family that, like, we deeply care about. Well, Holly's also running this, like, she's running a lemonade stand because she's nine. (laughs) She hasn't taken any business courses. I mean, again... Maybe these systems were in place, but uh, you have, you know, a nine-year-old, a nine-year-old running. I mean, if if Holly had letters behind her name, like if it was yeah. like Holly, whatever her name is, like PhD, MBA, you know, DDS, dog DDS. For pup, she's a pup degree. Get it? What a pedigree! Oh, I'm into it. Um. Yeah, I sort of think that uh, they miss the ball, though, in the adoption situation. Yeah, I think there's it's a just, lot they could have explored. It's kind of disgusting, because when they're done with the adoption day, they're like, wah, wah. And all the pups we've met 
have not been adopted. And it's like, well, they're not shit shows. Like, what happened? Bright Eyes was fine. If if you look at what they have for those dogs that were adopted, they were all sort of like the the chocolate lab kind of like Mm -hmm. brown puppies that you would assume would be part of the pound puppy toy line that didn't have like particular personalities. It was just a great dog that like you you mapped your own stuff yeah. and fears and wishes onto that stuffed animal. In this case, the the weird message that I kind of received, which I know was not probably intentional in any way, shape or form, was like, if you have personality, you're not going home with anybody. Which to Bright Eye's point, she had personality. Like she had something going on. She had something distinguishing about her, but it's like, if you're not part of the collective dog group, you're just gonna stay here forever in a green jacket. And you're like, that's creepy. That is wow. very dark, deep, <laughs> yeah, and illuminating. It's like really. bars at two a.m. Yeah, it's it's, it's what being at a bar at two a.m. Oh, yeah. I mean, because you're right. Like, don't stand out too much. <laughs> <laughs> that's can you say that in Cooler's voice, Denny? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Don't stand, don't stand out too much. <laughs> that seemed like a real stretch. Don't stand out too much. <laughs> don't stand out too much. Don't stand out too much, Angela. Oh god. Yeah, oh, I man. can't. But don't stand out too much for real kids. Those of you listening at home, <laughs> get home safe. Um, get home safe. So I want to. Uh, we, we've kind of watched this. I know that we've also talked about Peter Pup, and I, I think there's a lot of stuff that's there, but I wanted to just check first and foremost, was there any final thoughts about this first episode that we talked about? Okay, final thoughts about this first episode. I thought it was very <laughs> leftist and classist, and it was everything we're struggling with today. And I wish the episode had never been made. Let me make that clear. Like, no, not because, like, I just think it's not a great television show. But at the same time, if you watch it thinking, how does this relate to today? There's an evil rich person. There is a meek poor person trying to do good with people, dogs, who are less less advantaged. The themes are the same as we're dealing with today. That's literally what struck me is this feels very classist and it feels exactly like what we're going through today. So I want my nostalgic television shows or shows that I watched when I was younger to come wrapped in a bow with like, you know, an Uncle Jesse, uh, Danny Joey speech at the end. Like, what are we taking away from this? A little bit of light piano and a hug. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of alarming to watch this and really feel like it's just misdirected. There was no takeaway. It was just about bad people and escaping those bad things. And like they want to help her, but it doesn't even seem they're like trying to save her was more about like the scandal of saving her and the adventure of it than like, I don't know. I I feel like it was lacking the heart that Mm -hmm. I would have, that I went into this expecting to see. There wasn't as much heart. There wasn't as much of a lesson. Um, instead, it was. I think it's. It was just misdirected. There was a lot going on, and a lot that didn't connect, and a lot that didn't make sense. And yeah, maybe at the end of the day, had there been more Howler, maybe it would have been a better. Episode. I don't know. <laughs> That's my Howler. It's half Howler. Half You're working Charles, on it. 
Charles but Nelson. Right I away. do want to bring up because I, this is something I found fascinating. Howler is able to communicate across the country via howling. Yes, and I just thought that was the weirdest. Like the rest of them aren't able to do that, and I thought it was fascinating. It was a fun telephone game. It was. I weird, liked that yeah. visual. Yeah. That was a cool visual. It was a good lightning bolt across, like the the yeah. map of the United States, yeah. and then just sort of yeah. the the barking going from yeah. place to place. Speaking of which, so they're on the East Coast, is what's implied from that moment. Mm. There's a moment where Howler is putting out a call to. A to find bright eyes and you see the call go from east coast to west coast right and it was like definitely northeast right in totally. terms of the location like it looked like it was something that was like maybe maybe new york state westchester West, i mean yeah it was, it was cooler, interesting. cooler was the... definitely on his home turf and maybe knows marie got flown in because mm. she's For got a real, draw she's the blanche davero of this is <laughs> yeah Tell me I'm wrong. No, you're yeah. not. Well, in season one and then in season two, she's too buttoned up. Fair enough. I, I thought that it was really interesting that we had a PSA at the end of the episode mm-hmm. where the whole message was just like, hey, we're, it's cooler again because why would it not be? And I can't stop doing the voice too. Uh, where do it. Like, do hey, it. he's like, you know what? Your dogs, they're at home all day and they're waiting for you to come home. So like maybe take them out for a walk and like, oh, give them a little bit of exercise. Play with them. I had a moment just now where I'm like, Sean, what what PSA are you talking about? Because <laughs> right. like I didn't even take that seriously. Yeah, it was, yeah. I mean, it, it, it had a good message in terms of, you know, hey, if you have a dog, it's a member of your family. You need to actually provide them with some stimulus, some input, some exercise. All true. Uh, yeah, which is great. And you should. Uh, it, it's just funny that it kind of comes off in this like, hey, like, take hey. T- hey, put a leash on your dog and take him out. Does this continue? <laughs> do we have any idea? Does this continue throughout? Though? I, I mean, I, I, I'd be curious. PSA. I'd be curious to know if this was a first season thing and yeah. then they revamped it when they did all new pound puppies in season two because yeah. we did not see one with Peter Pup. Yeah. Which I want to say, are there any particular questions that we have? Kind of as we come to the the end of the evening about Peter Pup. What a what a what a fraught question. <laughs> I mean, Peter Pup. Do you want to go? Well, so Peter Pup is basically about getting Whopper to stop lying. Right. And they use to me a fun device of a story within a story mm-hmm. where they escape to a world where the whole cast of Pound Puppies is now cast in this fairy tale that is being told to Whopper to get him to stop lying. But they use Peter Pan as the device when I'm like, Pinocchio is a very equally well-known fairy tale about lies. And then to your point earlier, even like the Wizard of Oz, like they uh, they just, it was such nonsense. And at one point they cut back into real time, but then it was as if that was part of the storytelling, like at the end. Right, right. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It it was so sloppy and it really lost me and uh it was so bad. And so yes, the fact that this was the highest rated episode on IMDB is scary because it just it, it to me it's always fun to see that type of like, oh, and we're gonna, you know, do Cinderella with this and they just didn't even do it. They were like, let's use the Peter Pan title, but yeah, uh. it, it, it's it's crazy how kind of misguided it is because they had again. If they're doing a story within a story, you have limitless opportunity. That's right. And ability, and they were like, "We're gonna use the wrong story." 
and I hate to go back to the writer's room. <laughs> no, you don't. No, you fucking don't. But I don't. have to ask what, okay. Peter Pan's one thing. He starts disappearing like the guy from Back to the Future. <laughs> yes. Do you, do you see yeah, you the like, guy from Back to the Future? Like Marty, Marty McFly, McFly Marty starts McFly's disappearing from point. his own picture. He starts disappearing. <laughs> That's weird. Then all of a sudden he becomes 10 times the size of he's supposed to, which is from the, it's from the League of Justice. It's from Adam. It's a, it's a different superhero power. Okay. Anyway, Peter Pop, it turns out, has both limitations and powers that Peter Pan does not have. And so it doesn't make any sense to me what's happening in this story. And then they dip half, half disappeared Peter Pop into lava or something or a boiled whatever. Right. And I'm like, it won't hurt him because he's not even there. I, I think the crazy thing is, too, is that if you're thinking to yourself, hey, Jackie, Danny, Sean, g- give, them, give them the benefit of the doubt in terms of what they're doing for Peter Pup. Like, and my response is no. No. Because they dress up cooler like Peter Pan. That's exactly the right. The entire context is that he is Peter right. Pan. And like, Knows sure. Marie is, what's her name? Tinkerbell. Yeah. And, of course, Cooler has this ongoing nonsense bit where he's in this Peter Pan costume and he keeps turning to the audience and being like, I wish I was in a baseball uniform. <laughs> what does that have oh, to do? Oh, God. There's like multiple times where he's like, I'm uncomfortable being in green tights, flying around, <laughs> doing cool he's stuff. He's homophobic. I, That's right. why. Because he, he's right. homophobic. Totally homophobic. I wish I was in a leather jacket, sniffing yeah, female exactly. butts. <laughs> this is what a millennial would so. say. And I'm not saying it, but this is what a millennial would say. Fragile masculinity. That's the whole point. He's yeah. not a comfortable being in tight. I think he's a he's he's a he's a dog's dog. He's a dog's dog. <laughs> in terms of uh, the the masculinity that he wears on his leash, and uh, you know, it's just it's not gonna. The dog's name is Whopper. You're not gonna teach him not to tell lies. He's been telling lies since season one, episode one. Maybe like call him a name because I I don't know about you and I but like I had a dog growing up. And our dog, uh, my my sister and I named our, our dog that was a Chihuahua and a Terrier mix, off of another dog's name that we heard and we loved. And the dog we ended up naming our dog Turbo. Oh, that's a great dog. Cute. Here. Thank you. And so Turbo became and like, you know, when we got it, it was a very energetic. It was a very young puppy. Uh, but then, like over time, like that dog became Turbo. Like it. it mapped that word like it would oh, run interesting it would run around our house and like all over the place and do laps like it was a hyper dog you know and there was always a part of me that was just like did we do this to this pup mm. or like is this just like genetics and this just happens to be a coincidence and like mm. i mean i'm sure it's just a coincidence it is <laughs> I, I no. let me tell you why we had a dog growing up named rowdy couldn't have been more well behaved really yeah it was great that's awesome yeah, never once got out of line. Well, I'm glad that I dispelled. Dis- I'm glad that I was able to dispel yeah. all of my childhood. One, one of us worked through our childhood issues yeah. tonight. I know. Exactly. Hi, yo. Denny. Denny. Hey, guys, do the work. Put in the hours. <laughs> Go to therapy. I can't recommend it more. I, I, I think the I think the main thing that we're we're doing here in terms of like cartoon and being able to understand this is that they just they. At some point, they could have just started calling Whopper. They could have been like, hey, so we renamed you, and your name's now Truth all the time. Yes. And like, I'm cooler, so I can do that. Because hey, I'm cooler than you, and I get it. Cool, I'm cooler like, <laughs> than you. Yeah, that's, that's, that's why that's good, his Jackie. name. 100%. I like that. 
Ah, challenges, challenges. Peter Pop was challenging for sure. Yeah. It really made me want to, and not that this is helpful now, I want to watch at least like another episode. Really? I do, just to figure it all out. Like I, I need peace with this show. It I was need- a lot, the last one. I mean, the first one was formulaic. The second one was the like, like fever dream of a crazy person. Yeah. There's language, and I noticed it, I think, more in the second episode in Peter Pop that was used that I can't imagine being okay on TV shows today. Really? Even words like stupid or hate or lame. Mm. Like there were words. Is this? It's interesting that you say that because for the Teddy Ruxpin episodes that we watched, there were moments where one of Teddy Ruxpin's friends, Grubby, would say like, I hate adventure. And it was like really strong words that, you, you know, you're just like, that's, that's a very clear emotion. And Teddy Ruxpin's response was like, you just have to have a better attitude about it. And you're like, Ooh, no. smile more. That's that yeah. whole smile more situation. And then he just kind of gave him a little slap. Mm-hmm. He's like, buck up. Well, Winks. Yeah. I don't, I, don't, I don't think now that that would fly. No, I don't. No. I really, cause it was very jarring to me. And, But I guess none of this would fly except for Peter Pop because he's a flying dog. But we're products of this. So the three of us sitting around this are products of this. So I, well, I certainly have flaws. I don't know that we're worse off for it. I mean, do you, I mean, what do you feel about people watching something that can't use those words now? It's interesting. Denny, why did you just pull out a clipboard? I'm checking things off a list. Okay, that's interesting. <laughs> no, I feel strongly about this. Like, what is, I don't want to veer us off course here, but we're products of these cartoons, and, and I don't think it was such a bad thing. I think it made me a bit dramatic. Oh, well. No if, one's going to argue. I, if we've all reflected on our childhoods, I guess it's my turn. Yeah, I think television like this being like, she escaped a life of crime. Like, I was like, well, that's what life has to be. It's got to be that it's black or white. It's no drama or all drama. You're, you know, you stay up past curfew, you're going to go to prison. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Like, that's a good point. You're right. It was, it was like, this is, I was just talking to someone about the say no to drugs campaign with Nancy Reagan. Right. That's how it was. It was like, you use cocaine the first time, you're going to die. Like it was, it was a very extreme methodology they were oh. using in the eighties to hypnotize them. Yeah, I mean, it was very strong language too. I mean, I, I don't know that I'm any better or any worse for kind of, you know, uh, watching and and having exposure and being a product of this era, you know. But it, it's it's interesting to kind of you know think about. Like, I don't know that I got because I was really quiet. I was really quiet mm-hmm. for a very long time. And, uh, you know, but I still watched all of these shows. I still watched all this stuff from Nick at Night. You know, right. it, it just, it, it, none of it kind of ever really dawned on me to like, you know, talk up or, or be aggressive or, or, or be kind of like verbally acute in terms of what was going on in conversation, you know? And I, I guess I just didn't have that kind of like dramatic exposure. For me, it was just like, you know, well, just, you know, be be okay. And I was all, and, and, and looking at a lot of these cartoons too, you know, the idea for me was like, well, I'm not in my kid brain. I have to always think that my idea was like, well, this is never going to happen to me. I'm not a dog, you know? And so 
it, Interesting. like no, no matter how much personality was mapped onto them to make them anthropomorphic and real and relatable, there was always a part of me that's just like, well, I'm never going to have katana blades. I'm not a ninja turtle. Like I'm a human. Like I wouldn't get that. You know, it, it, I, I don't know why that that was always the case. Uh, but there was always just like a very realistic, like, I understand this and like, I get what they're saying, but it's not applicable to me. It's very analytical yeah. mind that you have. Yeah. yeah. I'm very robotic sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Weren't you playing Ninja Turtle? I had a lot of toys. I played toys all the time. You played toys, but you didn't dress up as. <sighs> I mean, I, I like Halloween, mm. you know, but, uh, I mean, that was, that was really it. I think that was sort of really the extent. So, well, no role playing for me. Sorry, Denny. No, pound puppies. No. Pound. <laughs> what, I'm gonna. What do we say? Hey, pound puppies. I'm gonna pound, pound puppies. Let's pound this out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's pound that pound pussy. Uh, oh, oh God. too far. There it is. Is that too far? Thank you, Sean. For okay, having I did. Oh my God, that's too far. So. Well, you know, we obviously have very distinct opinions about pound puppies tonight. And before we get into our recommendations, guess what? Yeah, you listen right now, you weirdos. Uh, you guys actually happen to have opinions of your own. And so to honor those, we are going to throw this over to longtime listener in front of the show, Bobby Anthem, for this week's Love It or Hate It. Bobby, take it away. This week's Love It is titled, One Word, Adorable, by Anthony Rigoni Three in July 2011. He wrote, when I was a kid, I used to watch Pound Puppies on Cartoon Network. The pound puppies consist of five puppies who vow to find an owner for needy puppies. They're allied with Holly, a nice girl who was forced to be a ward for the evil Katrina Stoneheart, an evil lady who will stop at nothing to capture the pound puppies and lock them up for good. Holly has a gift called puppy power, an ability to understand the pound puppies. As for Katrina, she is aided by her bratty daughter named Bratina and their evil cat named Catgut. What I liked and remembered about the TV series is the theme song, the story, and the characters. Mostly the characters and the theme song. In season one, the animation and character design is good. In the season two, wow, that is the best character design ever. This is, without a doubt, one of the greatest TV shows I have ever seen. This TV series was a memorable, wonderful, and adorable classic. 10 out of 10 stars. And our hated is titled, Let's Just Forget This Thing Ever Existed, from General Lucas in June 2014. This one was edited due to length, and it says, There is no way to provide redemption for this show. It fails completely at storytelling basics. For example, in stories, plots are the goals characters are pursuing. Therefore, plots are character motivations. When plots intersect, like the one of the protagonist and the one of the antagonist, conflict arises. The problem thus with this series is that the antagonists don't have a single rhyme or reason to do anything. They are just mean and give the idea that they're borderline or something. Oh, and there's a giant, a gigantic Transformers outcast called Captain Slaughter who wants to kill all the puppies. Why, you may ask? Never explained. And the daughter of the main villain, I think she's around age 10, has a crush on that guy. I wish I was joking here. The story itself is also completely unclear. 
I found it very hard to understand what was going on. The characters themselves are also completely forgettable. Nothing makes them interesting, except perhaps for Whopper's fantasies. Oh, and the puppies? They're not normal quadruped dogs. They are anthropomorphic dogs with clothes on. How does that connect in any way to the toy franchise it was supposed to represent? Isn't that what these kinds of series are for? You know, create a context children can get lost in that they then want to have toys based on that? Like they did with Transformers, G.I. Joe, and My Little Pony? So, yeah, it's bad. Stay away from this. Two out of ten stars. Flawless as always, Bobby. I just, I feel bad for almost having him read some of that last uh, analysis for The Hate It just because that person really, really did not enjoy that show at all. So... But thank you, Bobby, as always, and we are going to continue our campaign. If you want to animate Bobby Anthem in 2018, we want to get Bobby Anthem animated in any way, shape, or form. This could be fan art. Ooh. This could be anything. Bobby, we, we, we feel that this would be perfect for you, buddy. So Wonderful. we love you. Um, so now we're at the point where we get to do our love it or hate it and our recommendations. And so as always, we can recommend the show. And we can kind of give some context why. We can also say that we do not recommend this show with an explanation. And if we don't recommend it, we have an additional throw in where we can say that we are going to give this show the dip, which is, of course, going to erase it from the annals of cartoon history. And Jackie is making such such a face right now. I feel like you're worried. I'm and stressed. Yeah. Do, you, do you want me to go to Denny first? No, I'll go first. Nice. <laughs> Great. Because we know, I mean. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Denny, it's all going to go to the... He's going to bomb the writer's room. Yeah, <laughs> um, fine with the animation. Um, <laughs> I think I'm a very firm don't recommend it. Okay. Because I think watching it is going to make you... It's going to have you lose a little bit of that magic that maybe you have when thinking of watching cartoons as a child. It doesn't make you feel good the way... Like when I see... Um, you know, and uh, like when I watch uh, the Peanuts, you know, Christmas special, Charlie Brown Christmas special, no matter what, I I will always feel something like my heart will be just full. And this, my heart was draining slowly. Uh, <laughs> so I I don't recommend it. Okay, excellent. Thank you, Jackie. You're welcome, Denny. I'm with Jackie. Do not recommend. Uh, when you mentioned pound puppies. I had immediately I was excited because uh, I had a pound puppy and I loved it. And it reminded me of uh, my mother's house where we used to live and she doesn't live there. anymore. And I loved it. I thought, Oh, I yes, I'm going to, I'm just going to love this. And what I would say to the listeners is we've done the hard work. So you don't have to do not rewatch this at all. I would not though dip it. Oh, good. Okay. Cause, okay. um, because then I wouldn't, if we dipped it and it was erased from the annals, then I would not have my pound puppy, which I remember so fondly. Um, and I, I'm sure in the 1980s this served a purpose for someone. I just don't know who. No, I understand. And I think we're going to be three for three. I am not going to recommend this show either. And I, I think the main reason really goes to Jackie's point uh, and and kind of peppers in a little bit of what what Denny has said as well is that if you had that nostalgic anchor point for Pound Puppies, the the toy, 
and then you watched the cartoon, I feel like there's a severe disconnect from the toy that you may be familiar with to the cartoon itself. And yes, of course the cartoon exists for the sole purpose of being able to continue to sell the toy line and make things like that available, but I do not remember, and from doing research, I don't think that they ever made a cooler character pound puppy or there was never really a Nose Marie uh, in terms of what they had. They were fun, lovable dog puppies that you had that were stuffed animals, but they didn't have the unique personality that you saw in the cartoon that we watched for this evening. And I feel like in some cases that personality that we saw in those dogs for the cartoon is what kind of really turned, at least in sense for me, turned me off from the cartoon itself. Like I liked the original Pound Puppies for the fact that like, it didn't have that personality and I could create it and I made oh, that and I that was, that. and that was something so that I kind of instilled upon that toy. But for this, I feel like there's some, some very specific and, uh, personalities that they have that I don't think would have resonated with me at six years old or however old I would have been in the eighties having that kind of a toy. And so to make that jump into the actual cartoon, I think it's very frustrating to kind of watch and understand some of those some of the the missed connections and things that were lost in translation. And then I, I just think sometimes, you know, the, the the content of the show can be fun, but sort of some of the weird personalities and kind of quirks that we've talked about in terms of the writing today, uh, it just made it, it made it challenging to get into. And so I, I, I don't think I will go back to Jackie's point and actually watch another episode unless it's to actually check out some of the PSAs that they have at the end. Mm. I think that that's the only portion that I'd be curious to learn a little bit more about. Man, so that is three for three. Do not watch Pound Puppies. We took this out with a bang. (laughs) Or, I mean, you know, we took this out with a euthanized dog. So It it had to happen at some point, and I'm glad we saved it for the end. Rabies and whatnot. Oh, Oh, is is it curable, rabies? (laughs) Uh, to put it down? I don't think for dogs it's curable. Yeah, right. So you got to yeah. put that down. Yeah, that's yeah. sad. Maybe they could do like a We Are the World type <laughs> we are for rabies. Puppies. Like Hands Across America, but for dogs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bring back Cooler awesome. and the gang one more hey, time. Hey, we got the rabies. The we are the future. We're going to bite you. <laughs> why, why did he sound like this with B-52? I don't know. They all sound Fred like... Fred Schneider is a pound It's a puppy. real white United Colors of Benetton situation. Right? <laughs> it's too much. Well, awesome. Well, I want to thank Jackie and I want to thank Denny for, for coming on the show tonight. Thank you guys so much for, for being a part of this. This was excellent. Glad thank to you. have you on thank for your you. first time. Yes. This is wonderful. Exciting. This was we great. It. And so what I wanted to do is I want to ask if you guys are interested, uh, if people would like to learn more about you or if you have anything coming up, how, uh, how and where can the people find you or potentially communicate with you online? Cool. I am on Instagram, Jackie of all trades. There are underscores in between each word. But more importantly, I will be performing Labor Day uh, with iMusical, if you're in Washington, D.C., at the Kennedy Center on Labor Day. It's a free show, so come on out. I believe it's at 3 or 3.30. So check out uh, Kennedy Center's Page to Stage Festival and I'll be doing an improvised musical with iMusical, which is an ensemble with Washington Improv Theater. Very cool. Awesome, Jackie. Uh, I am on Instagram, but I don't know what my handle is since <laughs> I don't post anything. I just watch other people. Uh, I don't know why Jackie didn't promote this, so I'll promote <laughs> it for both of us. 
Jackie and I are currently on a troop together that is no more. So September 17th, the Source Theater in D.C. at 14th and T Streets Northwest. Uh, we'll, we will be holding our last troupe improv show. It's uh, the, the troupe is called Commonwealth. And so end of an era. Commonwealth in one form or another has been around since uh, for the last eight years. Jackie and I have been on it. Jackie a little longer than me, but Jackie and I have been on it for a while. And so uh, come out for that September 17th. WitDC.org. Got Get it. your ticks. Wonderful, wonderful. Everyone, you've heard him on the show, our friend Bobby Anthem. You can hear him on his paranormal podcast, Inhuman Experience. You can find him on, tw- you can find this show on Twitter at IEXP underscore podcast. And you can like him on Spreaker and SoundCloud. He's also the occasional third co-host on the THT Movie Podcast, which broadcasts every Saturday night at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard on Mixler. You can also find him on Twitter at Bobby Anthem. Send him some love. He's simply the best. As for me, I perform in Washington, D.C. with a group that's called Knox. That's N-O-X exclamation point. We perform with Washington Improv Theater. You can find tickets and times, as Denny had said, with dc.org. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Paul Ellis. If you're looking for Dave, you can find Dave on Twitter at DrClawMD. You can also find all of his writings on Nerdist.com, Collider.com, and DaveTrumbor.com. If you want to communicate with us directly here at this little show, you can email us SaturdayMorningCartoons at gmail.com. You can find our Twitter at MorningTunes. Check out our Facebook and our Instagram account at SaturdayMorningCartoons to keep the conversation going. You can also check on any of our social media platforms. We have something called Linktree that's in the bio, which will show you all of the different social media accounts that we have and where you can find our show. In fact, you can even see all the cartoons that we've watched over 200 plus episodes, and you can send us a cartoon for us to watch on a future episode. You can listen to our over 200 plus episodes and our monthly twice releases that we have on YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, now Spotify, wherever fine podcasts are sold. That's going to wrap it up for Pound Puppies. We are done. I feel like we can't go out of this episode without doing some weird panting. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's do, 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 do. <laughs> that's it, everyone. And we'll see you in September. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening to Saturday Morning Cartoons. Now, if you'll excuse me. I have to transform and roll out.